The families of Ahmad Arbery, Botham John, Michael Brown, and Eric Garner are all here in support. Joe Biden has met privately with the Floyd family. He tells CBS's Nora O'Donnell. His little daughter was there. Mama said, Daddy's going to change the world. And I think her dad is going to change the world. I think what's happened here is one of those great inflection points in American history, for real, in terms of civil liberties, civil rights, and, um, and they're just treating people with dignity. George Floyd died with the knee of a former Minneapolis police officer pressed to his neck. It's led to protests across the country and calls for police departments to be defunded. Minneapolis City Council member Alondra Cano is in favor. It is not abolishing the police today or tomorrow or even in a couple of months. And we've been clear about that. We're beginning a path. We're beginning a journey. A judge is blocking Virginia Governor Ralph Northam from dismantling a state a statue, that is, of Confederate General Robert E. Lee in Charlottesville. Correspondent Laura Podesta. Last week, cheers erupted after the governor announced it was coming down after 130 years. But supporters of the monument immediately protested. And now, a lawsuit's been filed against Governor Ralph Northam and the director of Virginia's Department of General Services. A judge has issued a 10-day temporary injunction to stop the state from removing the statue. Harry Potter himself, Daniel Radcliffe, is weighing in on a new controversy involving the woman who created his character, J.K. Rowling. In a statement posted on an LGBT suicide prevention charity website, Radcliffe says he felt compelled to respond to Rowling's recent tweets, implying that people born biologically male can't, in a fundamental way, become women. Radcliffe stating flatly, transgender women are women. Rowling herself insists she supports trans people's rights to live the life of their choice, but also stands by her original position. Vicki Barker, CBS News, London. You might have to find someplace new to shop for furniture, clothing, and lingerie after the pandemic. Victoria's Secret. Bloomberg says businesses lost during the pandemic could force as many as 25,000 stores to close permanently in the U.S. this year, most of them in malls, including Victoria's Secret, JCPenney, and Pier 1 Imports. S&P futures are down 29, Dow futures off 309. This is CBS News. CBS News Radio is your home for breaking news. With our team of reporters around the country and the world, we give you the coverage you can trust. For over 168 years, Mass Mutual has stood strong by you to help you protect your loved ones. Together, we'll weather this storm. To learn more, visit MassMutual.com. That's MassMutual.com. As the world races to respond to the coronavirus pandemic, CBS News Radio is covering every aspect of the story. Clear and original reporting, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, right here on CBS News Radio. Capital One knows life doesn't alert you about your credit card. Hey, couch surfers, we've got nonstop tunes to keep you rocking while you work. Oh, and Colleen, yes, you Colleen with a K. Your free trial of Movie Plus ends tomorrow, and your card may be charged. Do you want to continue or cancel? So meet Eno, the Capital One assistant. Eno looks out for surprise charges, like when free trials expire, and helps if you need to fix them. Eno, another way Capital One is watching out for your money when you're not. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Limitations apply. A new study finds ancient Chinese exercises and meditation can do wonders. CBS's Natalie Welcome. Patients with heart conditions who are feeling gloomy may find relief in Tai Chi. New research published in the European Journal of Cardiovascular Nursing found that practicing the Chinese martial art boosted both mood and quality of life. Depression is common in patients struggling with heart conditions, and the study found that Tai Chi's focus on posture, relaxation, and breathing was linked with less psychological distress. There's a new album on the way featuring the Dalai Lama. A recording fusing music with mantras and chants is the brainchild of a bank worker in New Zealand. Janelle Coonan says she couldn't find what she was looking for to calm herself down and focus, so she proposed the idea to the office of His Holiness. She was turned down the first time, but he accepted after she handed in a letter on a trip to India. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. During these unprecedented times, we know you're all worried about your family's health, your job, and paying your bills. Stop the endless debt cycle, especially now. 
Be proactive and take advantage of unique programs in place to help you get free of your debt. Don't wait for the bills to pile up and the banks to breathe down your neck. The program at Total Financial Freedom can help you get free of credit card debt, internet and signature loans, and even timeshares. You pay only a fraction of what you owe and they even offer a guarantee. Call now at 800-899-8922 to see if you can qualify and receive a free book written by our CEO, the Debt Dietitian. A-plus rated, Total Financial Freedom has helped thousands get debt relief without considering bankruptcy. During these stressful times, debt doesn't need to add to it. Call now, 800-899-8922 and get your free copy of the book to help you at 800-899-8922. That's 800-899-8922. Personnel Plus is still the one at matching qualified and reliable employees with local businesses. If you need good employees, contact Personal Plus at 740-592-3416 or drop by the Employment Options Office located in the Markadone State. Personnel Plus. We are local, we are nonprofit, and we are community. Personnel Plus is the employment service of the Athens County Board of DP. Since 1972, Danderman Electric has been providing professional solutions at fair prices. Whether it is dedicating a line for your computer, running all new electric lines, installing new lines, Say you're not a morning person, uh, or maybe you are. Hello, sunshine. Either way, we all have one thing in common. Our love for breakfast at McDonald's. Sleepyhead. Hey. Or go-getter. Together we breakfast. Double the sizzle and start off with two savory sausage biscuits for just $2. It's biscuit perfection at McDonald's. Your morning starts here. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Single item at regular price. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. If you love them enough to listen to them practice the same song on tuba. Please be done. Over and over and over and over and over. Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. Sounds good, honey. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. Airlines have just reduced Service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. Uh, yesterday, there was no mention of, um, what is it, Cannibal or Cannibal or, what is it? Cristobal. Cristobal. Now it seems it's really going to affect us tomorrow and maybe even uh, on Thursday. Hey, we got a special edition today. We're going to learn all about trees. Why, what would it be like without them? But there are good trees, there are bad trees, you know, all that sort of thing, so... My neighbor, Phil Perry's joining us live this morning via telephone. 
get all my switches just right. There we go. I think I got it. Good morning, Phil. Uh, good morning, Dave. Hello. Good to be on. Did I do it right? Okay. Um, ba -bum -ba -bum. Check me over here. This this is all right too, right? Oh, that makes a difference. Good morning, Phil. Uh, good morning, Dave. Sorry about that. I have one button I have missed. So oh. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, listen. Uh, let's let's back up just a notch and talk about how it is that uh, your interest in trees got started. Now your your parents, right? What what? Uh, tell us a little bit about um, the growing up. Well, I grew up in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Now they and, have uh, they have trees in Minnesota, don't they? Oh yes, quite a few. Okay. Um, um, more of them in the northern part of the state than in the southern, which is more farming, like uh, uh, part of uh, Ohio is. Yes. But we did a lot of outdoor activities. Uh, my dad and mom took us, my brother and my sister and I, camping, canoeing, we went swimming. Uh, my brother and I went to Boy Scout camp every summer for two, two whole weeks. Sure. Now, your father's profession? He was an aeronautical engineer. Aeronautics, okay. And, and your... And according to his... My grandmother, he claims that my dad's first word was aeroplane. Really? Well, how's that work out, you know? That's <laughs> so that's why he was always interested in planes. Of course, aeronautics is a big program here at Ohio University. Mm -hmm. So uh, listen, what about your mom? Was she a homemaker or did she also yeah. have a profession? Well, she was. Well, they both graduated from the University of Minnesota. She was in the, uh, child care, but uh -huh. uh, she, most of her, she stayed home and took care of us kids. Sure. Well, uh, how about you growing up? Uh, what were some of the educational experiences that, uh, or, or, or even, um, what would you call it, uh, free time experiences that particularly engaged you? Well, yeah, um, outdoor activities, hiking, camping, uh, uh, especially with the Boy Scouts, and uh, that's how I got started in uh, interested in forestry. And and the University of Minnesota has a good forestry school, so that's where I went. <laughs> well, the um, forestry, you know, there's so much more to it than simply, um, gee, that's a nice tree. Um, the the You've been involved, well, okay, so you had uh, uh, Minnesota, right? Right. And then um, did you have to have additional training to eventually take on the positions you've held with the many different forestry organizations during your lifetime? Well, I worked for, the, after I graduated, I, I joined the United States Forest Service, and the basic requirement is, uh, to be a forester with a four-year degree, which which I had, so mm -hmm. uh, I've had more educational uh, training, but that was the basic, and sure. and uh, so during my career, I uh, would go to training fairly often to to keep my skills up to learn new things, and uh, of course, as uh, years go by, you know, you've got to update your uh, uh, information because uh, things change a lot. Well, of course. You know, I think of uh, plants and I think of um, one particular word, photosynthesis, right? Right. Now, uh, it's generally where they take, um, I guess, carbon dioxide right. and turn it into oxygen. Right. That's an oversimplistic. Um, uh, That's the basics, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, here we are, human beings. We take in oxygen. It's a required thing. And then as we exhale, we exhale carbon dioxide. That's correct. So um, I, I have to think living in a place with lots of foliage is more healthy than a place without. Uh, is that generally true? Uh, 
Also, yeah, because with the, you know, the weather patterns and the winds, it gets mixed up pretty well. I see. Well, now, um, Minnesota. Okay, so how is it you came to be now living in Ohio? Well, with the Forest Service, uh, they have national forest over the whole country. So actually most of them out west. And so uh, with your career, if you want to move up, you usually have to move from one forest to another to get uh, different skills, different training. Mm -hmm. and, then, and so I started out in northern Minnesota um, with the Forest Service. And from there, I went to Vermont for a couple of years. And from there, went to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and then to West Virginia on the Monongahela National Forest. And in 1980, my wife and I moved here to Athens to work on the Wayne National Forest. So um, now, somewhere along the way, you did meet your wife. And, and uh, what's her background? Uh, she's a librarian. So that's a, a useful... Uh, a thing anywhere, isn't it? Right, right. Uh, every place needs a library. Right. Needs a library. Yeah, needs a library. Sure. Yes, now, um, okay, so of um, you mentioned some places that I really like. Vermont, for example. Um, the UP, I don't know that. I, you know, there's very few places I haven't been, but the Upper Peninsula is one. Um but Minnesota, I know. Um, I can't remember what else you mentioned. But the point is, uh, were there places you liked and some that you didn't? Actually, I liked them all. Yeah. Well, where? So, yeah, they all, all of them have uh, positives and, and well, there's always some negatives. Uh, um, uh, when I went to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, I went there in March and. I'd left Vermont in March, and up in the mountains of Vermont, it was well, several feet of snow still there, but yes. in the valley where the uh, cities were, it was pretty much gone. Right. You get to the UP, you find out the whole state was under about three feet of snow, mm. and uh, the ice in Lake Superior that year didn't go out until June, so... And I grew, tried to grow, grow some uh, tomato plants, <laughs> and I gave up when they got frosted out on the Fourth of July. Yeah, for on the Fourth of July, no less. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's a chilly area. Okay, so now, uh, so would you say your longest assignment was that with the Wayne? Right. Yes. And um, I suppose there are different levels of forestry that only foresters know. Uh, what, what what was the top level that you achieved? Yeah, it was uh, what they call the forest silviculturist for the whole week. And silviculture is actually the art and science of growing trees. Okay. Now, when you drive yeah. down the street, any street in Athens, um, do you see trees that you say, oh, that one shouldn't be there? Uh, or yep. that or uh, that one's beautiful, extra good placement and choice and all of that. Do you do you find yourself doing that? Uh, yes, I do. And, and um, uh, what, what makes you say this is a good place versus a bad place and maybe also the, the breed or choice of plant? Well, a lot of it is, you know, oaks are a nice tree, but most of them are pretty good size, so you need a good space. Or your oak trees to grow. You know, you don't want to put them a couple of feet from the house because they're going to be too close and they grow too big. Mm -hmm. And of course, with all the power lines in town, is if you got a tall tree that grows up 50 or 100 feet, you can't have them underneath the power line. I mean, they get inferior, and then and the power company, you know, AP will come in there, will top the tree, and it looks ugly, and they and they cause a lot of Topping trees actually causes a lot of damage to the tree. So, if you have some situation, you need to pick out the tree that you that for situation situations like that that you can have a smaller tree, so you can still have a tree, but something that won't grow up into the power lines. Now, um, I've heard a term urban forestry, right? 
Right. So I assume that means what we're talking about is uh, in more populated areas, trees, right? Right. Yes. It's, uh, uh, they concentrate in, you know, people's, uh, in cities and uh, in people's houses and what trees to grow. And it's fairly different. Some of the same principles in, in, uh, in, uh, in the as a city, but you know, there's all there's a lot of more complications to urban forest and what tree to grow where. Um, the um, okay, so now we but, uh, go ahead, please. Oh, but uh, uh, but tree, but there's one program urban foresters have, and they call Tree City USA, which is to promote uh, trees in city where they belong. Uh, they usually have tree commissions, like if Athens has the, mm. their Shade Tree Commission, and they recommend you know what trees to plant, how to take care of them. And actually, Ohio leads the nation in Tree City USA. There's over, I don't know, 120, 130 towns and villages in Ohio have a tree city mm. as a nation, which is more than any other state in the country. Now, let's see. The Wayne is under the... Um... That'd be under the Ohio Department of Natural Resources? Uh, no. No, it's a, this is a federal organization. Well, that's a federal. That's uh, right. Yeah, it's the U.S. Forest Service, which is uh, under the Department of United States Department of Agriculture. Okay. And so all the national forests, and it's the only one in Ohio. Some states have more. Mm-hmm. The Ohio Division of Forestry, which is a state organization, is under the uh, Ohio Department of Natural Resources. So they, we have similar activities, and, but one is state, one is federal. And when I got to Athens, uh, our Forest Service office was actually in Athens on Dalton Avenue, and the state division of forestry was, was also with the division of wildlife is on East State Street, and people would get us mixed up all the time. But we had an easy solution to tell people. It says, if they run the state, we just told them you want the office with the pond in front. Uh-huh. Forest Service, we the office without the pond. Sure. Halfway to Nelsonville, right? Well, it is now, yes. It's on the U.S. 33. Where was its former headquarters? Uh, it was on uh, Dalton Avenue uh, oh. off of... I know exactly. Uh, right in right in my neighborhood, or our neighborhood, yes. Uh, right. It's a uh, okay. block and a half away. Sure. Well, yeah. um, folks, I might add, Phil is a, a, a neighbor and um, very involved, uh, retired now to some degree, but very involved in scouting and that sort of thing, Boy Scouts uh, organization, all that sort of thing. Now, uh, Phil... Um, okay, so I early on I kind of mentioned the chemical function of trees. Now, aside from changing uh, nitrogen or not nitrogen, but um, carbon dioxide yeah, yeah. into oxygen, what are other things trees do? Well, they hold um, hold the soil together, you know, with, uh, with the roots and. Uh, prevent soil erosion. If we didn't have trees here with our steep slopes, uh, hilly with all rainfall, which we've gotten a lot this spring, mm-hmm. a lot of that soil would end up in the Hockey River in Ohio. Uh, with trees, it uh, prevents that. So the root structure just sort of um, ties things together, right? Right. Now, um, what what are the, some bad things trees can do? Well, of course, with roots, if you have a t- tree that's uh, in the wrong place and it's getting too big, the roots could, uh, you know, get into uh, the block of the house or, you know, uh, get into the sewer line. And and some trees are worse than that than others. Mm-hmm. You know, like a silver maple, which is usually you find in nature along streams because they like a lot of water, so if there's water there, the roots will aim for it, and, of course, sewer lines tend to have some water in them. Sure, sure. 
So, um, now, but it also provides uh, wildlife habitat, you know, lots of birds, animals, um, and like for oaks and hickories, the, the nuts they produce are, are very valuable for, for, for wildlife. Would you say that, um, let's see, uh, do you have some favorite trees, and, and maybe you have to qualify it and say, you know, in this situation, this is my favorite. In this other situation, I would prefer something else. Um, well, I would say oaks are, uh, and there are a lot of different species of oaks. You know, they're always a good tree. They provide a, uh, a lot of benefits to, to, to the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And yellow poplar or tulip poplar is a nice tall tree. It grows quite, quite fairly rapidly. It needs a lot of space, so uh, if you have a small yard, it probably wouldn't be suitable. But um, we also have in our yard is a, a, a fringe tree, which is a native from actually southern Ohio, which has beautiful white flowers in the spring. What's it called again? Fringe tree. Fringe tree, okay. And they're fairly rare because in Lawrence County there was quite a few, but people would say, well, this is a nice looking tree. They would dig it up and put it in the yard. So it reduced the number in the, in the woods. Now, in my yard, um, I have a skyline locust, um, and I love it. Um, yeah. And it is. One of the neat things about it is the leaves are real small, so as they fall in the fall, um, you don't have to rake them up. They pretty much just disappear. That's right. And um, is how do you what do you make of that particular breed? Is that cool or not? Yes, that is very nice. Okay, nice tree. Now, um, let's see another one I have, and it's a monster. Is a sycamore, right? Right. Now. Do you think sycamores are cool, or are they problematic sometimes? Well, they can have problems because, you know, the leaves would not deteriorate very fast, as you well know. Yep. And uh, you will have to rake them up. Uh, and they, they grow quite large. Um, so uh, you need a lot of space for them. And... And the winds tend to be somewhat brittle, so in a windstorm, mm-hmm. you could have more breakage than some other trees. But if you got a big, large space, uh, they would be nice. Sure. And when the pioneers got here, there was lots of sycamore along the rivers they, because they like a lot of moisture, and they tend to get hollowed out. So some of the early settlers, when they first got to Ohio, and before they built their own cabin, they would stay inside the hollowed out uh, sycamore tree because they were so so large and they had enough room. <laughs> well, that's that's a big tree, isn't it? Yeah. Well, now the groups that you started to mention, like the Athens City Shade Tree Commission, yes, yeah. um, Arbor Day Foundation, um. I mean, there's lots of them I could read here. Um, what 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 are their purposes? Well, the city of uh, the Shade Tree Commission, which I was on several years ago for a while, sure, is sort of tries to uh, promote uh, trees, and they have information on their website. You know, what trees to plant in the city of Athens if you're thinking of one. They'll give you advice, and uh, if it's in this. Uh, city right away. Each road has a right away that's city property. They can control the what species uh, uh, trees and maintain them on that. They don't have any say on private land. Mm-hmm. And um, they do have the city has an ordinance when uh, new developments come in uh, to make sure that. There some trees are planted or they protect the trees that are there so they maintain a tree canopy because that's real beneficial to the city to have a tree canopy uh, for quite a few reasons, for erosion control, for uh, its shade, um, for 
uh, it cools down the city. You know, cities that have a lot of trees, the temperature, average temperature is lower because, uh, especially, you know, in the summer when the, the leaves, uh, uh, the sun hits the leaves first before it hits the ground and warms it up. So there's quite a few benefits to having the trees in the city. Okay, now I faintly remember during my years on city council that there was um, some event. It might have been the Bicentennial. And um, some university or some organization gave the city, I don't know, a lot of trees that were supposed to be highly unique. And it was a breed of tree that, as I recall, normally is very fussy, but they had... um, Developed them so that they weren't. And then these got planted at strategic places around town. Do you remember this story at all? Mm, No, because I wasn't here before Bicentennial. Okay, well, anyway, one of them ended up in my front yard. And it was really neat. And then just one year it died. And um, I, I replaced it with a skyline locust. But, um... Well, that bicentennial story is kind of old, but I, I just thought you might know know of it. So how long have you been in Athens? Uh, I got here in 1980, so it's uh, almost 30 years. Okay. And uh, what what's your impression of Athens from a forestry point of view? Uh, well, positive, you know, that uh, the city has done quite a bit to promote uh, tree growth. Uh, um I suppose the negative thing I see is uh, a topping of trees. You know, people's yards, they think their tree is getting too big, so they hire somebody and cuts it off, you know. And if you have a diameter of, you know, like uh, several inches over a foot, and you just cut that off, it really damages the tree. Well, sure. And it creates... uh, Rot quicker, you know, and reduce the life of the tree. And uh, and so, if somebody wants to have their uh, trees trimmed, you know, it would be good to have a, a certified arborist, which has been trained to, you know, for tree trimming and knows how the correct way of doing it. Now, you may recall that uh, oh, nearly two years ago, I think we had a whale of a storm. And I had a young skyline locust, and it just cracked it right off at about the five-foot level. Yes. And, um, you know, I I didn't know what to do. I certainly thought about, well, do I remove the whole thing? But instead I thought, well, let's just see what happens. And it's really kind of interesting. Now, am I crazy or not? I mean, it's blooming, and it's yeah. it's shooting new sprouts, even though uh, off of the uh, four or five inch in diameter. Um, yeah, they can sprout quite, yeah. Lots of trees will get damaged and will re-sprout. Now, would you have done what I did, which is let it try to come back? Well, one thing, you, you could do what you did, or you could... Actually, cut it off near the ground and let it respout up from the ground too. So that that's uh, uh, which I started did with my rhododendron in my front yard. It was getting quite big, so I cut it some of it to the ground and it resprouted and uh, and it's done very well. So so there's also often a couple of different things you can do. Sure. Now, do you have some trees you don't like, and and why? Uh, well, yes, there's uh, some you don't see. Is uh, the tree of, what they call a tree of heaven? Are uh, actually Alanthus is a scientific name that came from China that is really invasive and taking over in certain areas, and and one of the researchers for the Forest Service. She's trying to promote calling it the stink tree uh, because she doesn't like it, and, and it does sort of stink too. If it's a, uh, but it does take over, and if you cut it, it will re-sprout 
quite readily and then uh, it takes over from the native species. So, so we do have a lot of problems with uh, non-native invasive species, trees and, and uh, uh, shrubs and plants that, uh, are, that crowd out their native native plants, so we try to control that. But now, you know, as you walk around uptown, there's a couple places where there's some ginkgos. And um, as I understand it, you know, I don't know which gender it is, uh, but they evidently have a female version and a male version. And one of, right. the, one of the other uh, isn't very good smelling either. That's right. And, well, the Atlantis is the same way. They have uh, male trees and female trees. Huh. Well, it's the fruit of the female tree, tree that smells usually. Okay. And the ginkgo tree is also from China, and it's a nice tree, I think, and it doesn't spread like the Olympus does. You know, the planting ginkgo, it won't take over everything. So that, uh, so that one can, can be planted without uh, uh, pro- uh, many problems. The other day, we had a problem out at our transmitter, and it, it's, it was a multiflora rose. Okay, uh, that had gone rampant and was growing up into our uh, electronics um, in the outside, out, the outside part of our tower. So we had to go over there and clear it out. It took most of a day, and then we did some spraying too. Um, now there's an expressive, there's an expression rather, evasive, non-evasive, that sort of thing. I hear right. of different groups that will take volunteer for a half a day to go up on this trail or that trail and remove evasive plants. Right. What 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 makes a plant evasive? I know what it is on multiflora rose, but what about yeah. some of the other ones? Well, what why we call some they call some evasive is that. Uh, of course, with trade all, all over the country, all over the world, you know, you're getting a lot of seeds and plants and insects and animals from all over the world coming to uh, the United States, and a lot of them don't do well here, or if they do, they, you know, they don't spread very much. But an invasive one is one that really spreads quickly and takes over, and uh, and sort of smothers the native species. So only some of the, probably only a few of the non-native species are real problems. And uh, of course, multiflora rose is one of them. Um, Atlantis tree heaven is another. Uh, there's a, quite a list of them. And uh, I think the Division of Forestry uh, they have a list of ones that you should not plant. And, and to get such a list, uh, would you go to a website or would you go to, uh, oh, like uh, Wayne National Headquarters or what? Uh, I think Wayne would probably have some. Um, I'm sure you could go online to say non-native invasive species and you'll find a whole bunch of web- websites. Okay. Well, what... Um, when you when you drive about town, what do you do? You ever see? Uh, you've already kind of answered this, but aren't you ever compelled to stop and say, you know, this tree needs help, and I would suggest you do this or that to make it better. Um, with your knowledge, um, you know, how do, how do you help people know to save their trees and make them better? So, well, that's a good question. <laughs> so, I'm not looking for more work. <laughs> uh, I get it. I get it. <laughs> but, but, you know, but there is, a, you know, the Division of Forestry, the Urban Forestry we have in town, the uh, City uh, Tree Commission, uh, there's a uh, Athens County Soil and Water Division, um, so there's a uh, Everyday Foundation. No, there's a lot of sources of information for people that are interested. I remember the master gardeners class came over to my yard. Uh, oh, this has been 20 years ago, 
and uh, they had a, a lot of fun there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this was a Saturday, and they spent, I'll bet, five hours there just looking things over and pruning this and trimming that. and You know what I mean. Um, right. Fascinating stuff. And, of course, that's another group that people can get involved in and learn a lot. Right. Well, um, let's see. If you had not been a forester, what do you think your next choice would have been career-wise? Hmm. I don't know. So, yeah. um, uh, once I got into it, I had no interest in another career, so I was quite happy with this career. So, so you wouldn't have wanted to be a poker wizard or something like that, right? <laughs> no. I, I didn't think so. Um, what are you laughing at back there? Scott's laughing at me. Um, no, with you. With you. Okay, I get it. Um, so what, what? when you go look at, I'll call them baby trees, Okay, so maybe you go to White's Mill or you go to Lowe's or wherever it might be, right? Um, right. What, 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 what is it that you're looking for to say, oh, that's the one I want? Mm -hmm. Well, you, you want to know what spot are you going to put it in and uh, you know how much space you have. If you have a small space, you get a tree that won't grow real big. Uh, if you have a big space, you can put a larger tree in. Uh, what is it? Uh, what, what, uh, what is it going to look like in the spring? Is it going to have uh, spring flowers like you know the dogwood or the fringe tree mm -hmm. that really has nice uh, flowering uh, in the spring? Or what is it going to look like in the fall when the leaves turn color? Because if you get a red maple, you know that's quite beautiful. Uh, you get other trees. Like a sycamore, so it turns brown and falls off, so it doesn't look good. You know, you don't get, get it isn't quite as pretty. So there's uh, a lot of different factors, and some trees like uh, a lot of moisture, so um, and some trees don't. And so, where in the what's the situation if you're in a rural stream? You can put several trees in that would uh, do well if you're. On a hilltop, those trees probably wouldn't do very well. Mm -hmm. And, and um, do you find the labels that are on the, the tags kind of like that are attached to the different plants? Do, do you ever see one that you, you don't agree with? Mm. You know, mm. like some say, um, like if it's at a young stage, you need to water it twice a week. And mm -hmm. You know, usually it's pretty good, I think. Okay. Well, um, what is something else you think that uh, would be important to bring out? We've got, um, let's see now, the Wayne National Forest Building. That's a beautiful facility up there halfway to Nelsonville. What what yeah. all's in there that we should know about? Well, there's quite um well, there's the building, and they have a uh, visitor center that goes there. They have uh, lots of uh, information to hand out. Um, they have exhibits inside, uh, books you can buy. Um, of course, they have the lookout tower, the fire lookout tower right next to it, and uh, which was originally on south of Nelsonville on a high spot that we use for... for uh, look for fires, and uh, years ago, I think uh, um, uh, uh, we weren't using it anymore, so we gave it to Hocking College, and Hocking College had it on their campus for several years, mm -hmm. and then for some reason they didn't want it anymore, so when we built the new office, we got it back and set it up there. And is it accessible? Can I walk up there and take a peek around? Uh, I, I believe that they, you have to uh, make arrangements ahead of time. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's not just open for people to go. Sure. But, uh, but if, I think if there's a group, they may uh, allow you to do it. Sure. The, um, okay, so once in a while things go bad. 
or maybe they do. I don't know. What I mean by that is there can be blights. There can be um, what 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 are those um, cottony sort of things that form up in their insects, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or mercy, you could have a fire, and it wipes out several acres. Um, does any good come out of those things? Well, sometimes, you know, fire is actually, uh, the Indians use fire quite a bit, and from, you know, especially out west, and some, you know, um, places out west, the uh, um, lodgepole pine is a fire-adapted uh, species, and they have cones, and it needs a lot of heat to release the cones to, to seed in. And so with uh, lodgepole pine, it would go up, and they needed fire to open the cones when, uh, to ha- have a new forest. Huh. Um, so, uh, so fire can be useful, but it, you have to, uh, and, but it can be also very damaging, too. So you really have to know what you're doing. And the Forest Service doesn't, uses fire, uh, starts the fires for prescribed burn for uh, uh for different purposes, and we've used that on the way for to maintain oak and hickory, which uh, can follow trees. Uh, fire can damage it, top kill it, but the roots are not killed, so they re-sprout. And uh, oaks and hickories need a good bit of sunlight to grow, so if it's too shaded, um, uh, they're not going to grow and get into larger size, so you can use prescribed uh, burning to reduce the amount of maple that shades or that shades them out. Okay. Uh, I do see here we have a caller, and if I know what I'm doing, I think I can make this work. Uh, good morning. Hello. Okay, I think I lost him. Or, oh, I'm still here. Oh, good. What's up? Hi there. Hi. Hey, this is a very interesting topic. I wanted to ask two questions. One, the sycamore tree that I'm seeing in our neighborhood, a couple of them, seem to be slow developing their leaves. I thought there's something wrong with them. And the other thing is dying trees in the neighborhood. I see white pines that have been around forever, all brown, needled and everything. And are there other dying trees around? Yes, um yeah, they they get some insect and disease damage that can look bad, but you know, not and but it doesn't always it is not always fatal, uh, especially in a lot of moisture. There's a anthracnose they call it that uh, will affect sycamore and make the leaves look brown. Um, with especially with the moisture rain that we've had this spring, mm-hmm. but they should recover from that. Um, and white pine is, well, they're usually around the neighborhood is if it's uh, uh, with this clay soil, um, near, white pine doesn't really like a whole lot of uh, moisture in the ground. So if it gets a really wet ground, uh, pines don't do as well. They like a little bit more drier ground at a higher elevation. And what about those flowering pear trees that stink and that grow rapidly and everybody just uh, yeah, calorie pears uh, they were developed and supposedly they would not produce fruit um, but that has been uh, there's different, a lot of different varieties so if you have two different varieties, one variety you won't have uh, fruit but if you have a lot of different varieties they will and they'll spread quite rap- quite badly into the forest and so the cavalry pears are not, uh, they thought it would be, be, be a good species for the urban areas, but they have turned out not to be. And they hurt just because they got all those needles or those pointed things that hurt you. Spines. Yeah. Spines, that's what they're doing. Thanks but, a lot. You know, great great but, show. Uh, yeah. Thanks a lot. So I would say the, the trees have been, the last few years, uh, a lot of the ash trees, if you uh, I think last year, the year before, the year before that, I would go around town and, and see dead trees, and when you get closer, you figure out it was ash trees. So 
MLS ball, which is a disease that came from China, right. and it's really devastated ash trees, and most of them have been, you know, it kills most of them, so it's really a, been a problem. We're losing a lot of ash. You still see smaller trees around, but uh, a lot of the bigger ones have, have died. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. Well, let's, whoops, I lost the wrong button here. Yeah, I hit the wrong button. Got to call him back. Uh, got to call him back is right. Um, let's see here. Then. Okay, we'll try this one more time, folks. Live radio, ain't it fun? Um, let's go here. Yep. And why don't I hear it dial tone? Should I hear a dial tone? Oh, yeah, it it, it is in the phone. Okay. And we only have a couple minutes left here. Here, you take it from there. Okay. Uh, Live radio. Um, we are 970 WATH 97.1 on FM as well. And Hello, Phil. This is Scott. Yeah, we're getting this reestablished here. We're going to put here. you back on the air. Yeah. Okay, hang on. And then this stuff, right? Okay. There you go. Uh, sorry about that, Phil. But okay, yeah. Yeah, that was, um, I hit a wrong button. Oh, okay. So anyway, it was yeah. Um, okay, so when I was growing up, I lived uh, sort of in the country. Uh, it's not country anymore. It's 6800 North High. In fact, our AFSME headquarters is located there. But um, to either side of us were farm fields, and uh, we would uh, burn once a year the underbrush. And it never affected the trees or anything. Of course, in farm fields, you have only trees around the perimeter, so to speak, um, of the farming areas. Um, and boy, those fields were really nice after each burn. And they'd come back nice and lush and green, you know what I mean. Um, so, uh, but but I've heard over the years that wasn't such a good thing to do, so... I don't know. What's your what's your um what's your favorite tree? If, if, you, if you had a big yard and you wanted to plant only your one tree in several places, what would it be? Well, if I put, put uh, had a big yard, I put an oak, uh, an oak in there. Okay. Now there's different red, types of red, red oak or white oak. And, and they grow pretty big, don't they? Yes, they do. Okay. Um, have you ever done woodworking? No, not really. Okay, so I was going to go a different direction and ask you, is there a type of wood that uh, is particularly uh, good to work with? But that doesn't make any sense since you don't do that. Um, well, there's, yeah, lots of woods and... Um, um, I mean, for beach works, uh, ash is a nice one to work with. Uh, right, right. Yeah, of course, black walnut is a little more difficult, but it's very pretty. Are there some trees that, um, well, first of all, what's what would you call most native to Ohio? And maybe there isn't such a thing. Well, south, you know, we're part of Appalachia, and, you know, there's lots of hardwoods, so, you know, so, you know over a hundred, you know, there's a lot of different species of hardwood, so there's a lot of mixture, so there's not one dominant one. Mm -hmm. um, out west and some places, farther north, you get places, there's only a few species that really do well, but here in Ohio, it's a lot. And they're mostly hardwoods. Uh, we have a few uh, conifers or evergreens, but they're not a whole lot. Now, in Ohio, uh, are there particular, I, I, 
species or breeds or whatever the right term would be of trees that are in trouble? And and if so, what could we do for them? Well, ones in trouble are, like I said before, with the ash, with the emerald ash borer. That has really been a problem. Um, uh, we also had uh, elm trees, that the, the Dutch elm disease, that's been difficult. Uh, not as serious as emerald ash borer. Mm -hmm. um, and then with the oaks, we have gypsy moth that has the... Um, um, has done a has killed a lot of trees, um, and there's been a program for years to treat um, uh, the gypsy moth and try to what they call slow the spread. And they'll spray and they do um, sometimes with chemicals and the number uh, to keep it from spreading as fast as we can. So, uh, well, that's a lot of these species, these uh, insects and diseases are. Um, from the non-native that came from somewhere else. And in, you know, uh, you mentioned the gypsy moth and ash borer and things like that. And, you know, I, I've kind of wondered, don't they have sprays that could treat a tree and, and cause those to um, croak, you know, to croak? Yeah, uh, yeah for in the ash borer, I think they have develop some chemical treatments you can do that keeps the, uh, uh, the ash alive, but the, co the cost of treating individual trees is, is you know, is pretty high. If you've got a very valuable tree, it's worth but in the forest, the cost of trying to treat that many ash is just, there's no money for that. I get it. Well, what have I failed to bring out uh, that you think was would be important? Um, well, I guess one thing is, you know, when uh, uh, pioneers came to Ohio, Ohio was like 95% forested. You know, it was not like today. And, um, and there were farmers, and farmers wanted to grow their crops, which meant they had to get rid of the trees. So the attitude was sort of like, cut all the trees, burn them, and get rid of them so we can farm. And over the years, in the 1920s and 30s, it went down to about 10% forested in the state. The rest was not forested. It was farmland. Uh, a lot of it was uh, uh, mined, strip mined. And, but since then, we have uh, bounced back somewhat. So we're over like a third, 30% forested now. So uh, we're doing better than we do in the, in the 20s. Wow. Well, uh, so it's really come back, hasn't it? Yes. All right. Phil, thanks for being on the show this morning. And um, I, I love trees. Who doesn't, right? Right. And it's so much fun in the spring to see them start to turn. The, right. You know, the colors are starting to show up. And then in the fall, when it starts to you know, go to the orange side and, and um, the fall colors. So um, I love trees. Well, I think we're in the east here. We're quite fortunate to have all this change in uh, spring flowers, the fall foliage in some places. They don't have that at all. Yeah, I was in Wyoming. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Dave. Okay. Bye-bye. Um, so, uh, folks, it's, um, you know, trees. We need to take care of them. Um, you know, if you do have a serious problem, you know, address it. There are plenty of experts around to help you do so. Well, weather-wise, it's, it's going to be hot. Uh, 92, they say today. Could it even feel like 98? Think of that. Tonight, 70. Tomorrow, 88. But then we start to have this rain show up, and who knows what that's going to feel like. But um, it is what it is. Have a wonderful day, please. And we'll see you soon. In our 70th year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H. 
CBS News on the Hour, sponsored by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. I'm Deborah Rodriguez in upstate New York. A private funeral is scheduled to begin in two hours for George Floyd in his hometown of Houston. Correspondent Michelle Miller is outside the church. Among today's attendees will be families who have suffered similar losses, including relatives of Ahmaud Arbery, Michael Brown, and Eric Garner. This church holds about 2,000 people, but just 500 will be allowed inside because of social distancing. And after the service, Floyd will be laid to rest at Houston Memorial Garden Cemetery, right next to his mother. Floyd cried out for her before he died with a former Minneapolis police officer's knee pressed into his neck. The debate is underway over protesters' calls to defund local police departments. Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry does not support it, but he is in favor of change. We need to see a culture shift in the department. A big part of seeing that culture shift through is being able to both discipline as well as terminate individuals who have had some form of wrongful conduct. It's primary day in Georgia after a week's-long delay because of the coronavirus. WGCL's Karen Greer says they're already having issues. Gwinnett County reporting some of the precincts having machine problems, no paper in to print. In Atlanta, we're hearing uh, some problems also with the machines saying that people have already voted when they walk up to the touch screen. A beloved British institution is hoping to make a comeback. British Real Ale, brewed in barrels or casks, is back in production for the first time since March. Brewer Nick Watson. The thought of actually producing some cask beer and getting it back into the pubs is really, really exciting. We're going to serve beer from that window. Pub owner Nick Harrington is mapping out a socially distanced one-way system.